Pauline, give me some of your tots. I ate his liver with some fava beans. A nice Chianti. Combo, pan fry, deep fry, stir fry. Yummy! Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Cooking Show. This week, I have a couple of recipes for you. Um, there's two main dishes, I guess, for this episode. And they they do have like a, a thematic through line, like they are related to each other, but they are very different dishes. But there is, there is a reason for them, so uh, we'll get into that. But technically, I suppose we'll have three recipes here because... One of the dishes is like really simple. It's like literally this one ingredient plus a couple other little things. But the one ingredient is something that we can make homemade um, and that it can be used in other things in addition to the one that I used it in. So we'll do that. And then the other uh, recipe is just fun, easy, really good. And uh, I, I enjoyed both of these things this week and uh, a couple of months ago. And I just thought, why not make these at home? They'll be really good. Be very delicious. Okay. So the first thing is you'll see this a lot as an appetizer at Mexican restaurants. It's a fundido. Sometimes it'll be on the menu as queso fundido. And it's basically, it's basically queso with Mexican chorizo, either garnished or cooked into the queso or whatever. And it is fantastic with tortilla chips, hola mola. So we'll We'll get into the recipe for Mexican chorizo. That's like the main part of it. And then you can make the fundido very simply after that. And then we will move on to the classic Spanish dessert of flan. Flan. It's uh, texturally delightful. The flavor is wonderful. It's sweet. It's creamy. It's light. It's delicate. It's all the good things. And we're going to make that. So why, why are we doing chorizo and flan? Um, well, let's see. We can start off by a couple months ago. We had a car appointment, uh, like a service appointment. So we had to go up to like Warrendale and we figured while we're up there, we'll have lunch somewhere. And we were initially, we we're going to go, I think it was to like an Indian restaurant but it was like a Monday afternoon, so they were closed. So we're sitting in this parking lot of a strip mall. We're like, oh, well, there's a there's a Mexican place. So we're like, let's just go eat there. And we did. And it was good. I don't remember the name of the place. The uh, food was good. The atmosphere was fine. It was like one of those places that, uh, you know, it's like a Mexican restaurant that you just order out of a catalog. You know, everything from the booths to the wall decorations to the dishes and everything. You know, But it was good. But we had uh, the fundido appetizer there. And it was like, wow, this is, uh, man, you add chorizo to cheese. Holy mole, it's so much better. <laughs> and then uh, earlier this week, we went on just a lunch date to uh, Takayo, Takoyo in Pittsburgh. And this is like a, like, it, it's kind of like a hipster taco place, but more, mm, I don't want to say Spanish inspired, just because they had the flan on there. But I mean, you know, a lot of Mexican things, but the like the cooking style seemed to be more Spanish inspired. Um, and I had a flan for dessert there and it was fantastic. So we're going to be making some flan because I was like, hey, I have those ingredients. <laughs> I have an hour. I'd love to make this uh, creamy, cool, delicious, caramel, eggy, milky, sugary thing 
and it'll be wonderful. Yeah. All right. So let's start off with, oh yeah, obviously with the podcast, you want to check out the show notes. We'll have uh, the the recipe for the chorizo, for the fundido, and for the flan. Um, let's see. Am I going to need any links to special ingredients? I don't believe so. If I think of some between now and when I post the episode, I'll put links in there to any special ingredients, special equipment, whatever. And then obviously we'll have the imager album showing sort of the step-by-step -step of each of these recipes, okay? So for your Mexican chorizo, um, you know, if you're familiar with it, I don't know, but um, chorizo in Spain, completely different from chorizo in Mexico. Chorizo in Spain is more of like a salami type of product. It's a fermented, dry-aged, cured salami-like sausage. Whereas uh, your Mexican chorizo is like a, it's a loose sausage, similar to like a hot Italian sausage, but it's generally, so a lot of times you can purchase it in a casing, but the casing is just like a transport vector for the chorizo. Even if you cook the chorizo in the casing, you normally will slit the casing and remove the farce, the filling from it, um, or you'll, you'll empty the casing out prior to cooking and it's you'll be served and utilized as basically a loose sausage but we'll get into sort of kind of going for a very down the middle sort of canonical chorizo recipe here you can jazz this up by getting rarefied ingredients um, you can switch out some of the ingredients for things that give you a, a bigger flavor punch up or something like that. But, uh, you know, if we're just kind of starting off here, we'll go with a, a fairly standard, uh, Mexican chorizo recipe. The cut of pork that I used here was a half of a picnic roast, which is off of the front leg of the pig, um, below the pork shoulder. So it had a decent amount of fat in there. Um, if you can get like a boneless pork shoulder or semi-boneless pork shoulder, that'll be good because you, you want to get as close to like 30% fat content as you can. And pork shoulder generally is going to be pretty close to that ratio. I'll give you all the uh, measurements here for a five pound batch, but you also want to look at the ratio for the ingredients so that if you, like if you just want to make one pound or three pounds or something like that, you can apply the same ratio that I used for the ingredients to whatever quantity of pork that you have, and you'll get a consistent product there okay so um they will call this a five pound batch of that uh pork shoulder diced and yeah, we'll, we'll grind this afterwards we're going to use kosher salt chili powder if you can do ancho chili powder that would be ideal if not you can use regular chili powder ancho chili powder specifically is um dried poblano peppers so it has a little bit of a a sweet uh, flavor to it, but you can use regular chili powder too. That's fine. All right. We're going to use, uh, some hot paprika, some chipotle powder. Okay. Chipotle are smoked, uh, jalapenos. So this adds a smoky, spicy component to it. If you can't find chipotle powder, uh, you can go with cayenne, which will basically just be like the, the spicy aspect without as much of the smokiness. Okay. So Chipotle powder, ideal. Cayenne is a good substitute. We're going to go with uh, some either minced garlic or granulated garlic. I use granulated for this because I made a big batch and portioned it out. If you're making a smaller amount, you can use uh, 
uh, minced garlic for that. It'll be very nice. Ground black pepper, oregano, cumin, red wine, vinegar. Now, you could also, if you wanted to, you could punch this up with a little bit of lime juice, maybe a tablespoon or two of tequila. That would add a nice uh, flavor component to it. But I did not use those for this. Okay, so we um, grind our pork shoulder. You know, ideally you want to end this on a fine grind. If you can get it to go through the grinder on the fine grind to begin with, you can get away with just grinding it once. Otherwise, grind it through coarse, mix all of the ingredients into it, and then pass it through the grinder on the fine grinding plate the second time. Um, but I was able to put it through on the fine plate to begin with, so I did that. And then I added all the dry ingredients, and as well as the red wine vinegar, and using the paddle attachment on the KitchenAid stand mixer, I let that uh, incorporate and mix up for approximately five minutes. Now that mixing time is not just to incorporate the flavor components with the meat, it's also to give um, the meat a certain like uh, tacky texture to it. So as, as it's being pummeled around the bowl with the paddle attachment mixing everything together, the, uh, the protein in the ground pork is going to be kind of, there's a lot of friction going on there as the particles of meat rub past each other. And it's similar to kneading bread in that uh, protein chains kind of link up and they get sticky and long and spongy. Um, that is good for a loose sausage because um, it'll give you a nice texture. It'll make it, we still want it to be able to crumble up, but not until after it's cooked a while. Um, and this will do that. It'll, it'll clump together into a patty very easily, but then as you start cooking it, you can break it up with like a wooden spoon or a spatula or something like that. And you can get a nice, um, fairly uh, consistent, crumbly cooked sausage out of that. Okay. So, um, that's your chorizo, the wonderful, um, tacos, uh, nachos, obviously and fundido as we're doing here, you know, it's a, it's, it's very versatile and the addition of the red wine vinegar is kind of what transports it from your like European inspired loose sausages to specifically your Mexican chorizo. Like there's no mistaking Mexican chorizo for like hot Italian sausage or something like that. So do that now. If it, when it comes time to make your fundido, so you can make that, you can make your sausage, you can vacuum seal it in like one pound bags. You can, you know, divvy it up however you want. What you want to do is uh, cook off, you know, I don't know, a pound, a half a pound, whatever of your sausage so that it's, it's cooked. You know, whenever you cook your Mexican chorizo, I, I prefer to do it on like medium heat with like a heavy bottom pan, like cast iron or whatever. Um, because I'm not really trying to get like a sear or a crust on there. I'm trying to cook it all evenly and relatively gently so that the fat that is in that sausage, that's in that ground meat can render out and kind of, um, not, not release so hard that the, any liquid component of it, you know, boils off and then you get like a dry mealy sausage. So if you cook it slowly, um, you get a nice moist crumbly, uh, I don't want to say soupy and I don't want to say greasy cause it's really not, <laughs> but you know, you just don't want it to be too dry. So cook, cook it, cook it gently, medium heat. Um, and then 
we need a, a serving vessel for this fundido. Some places will use like a ceramic ramekin or those old ceramic baked bean pots that everybody in the 70s used to have, you know. I have a bunch of like four and six inch cast iron um, like frying pans. So I just use those as individual serving serving dishes. Put, you know, a couple tablespoons of meat into each one of your, your serving vessels. And then the cheese that we want to use, ideally you would use uh, Oaxaca cheese. Uh, that's like your really soft, melty Mexican cheese that you would use in queso. I you know, just ran down to our little podunk store <laughs> down here yesterday uh, to grab some ingredients and they did not have that particular type of cheese. So um, anticipating that you may not be able to find uh, a legitimate Mexican Oaxaca cheese, um, you could use Monterey Jack in place of it. You know, you just want something soft, mild in you know flavor. You don't want like a super sharp cheddar or, you know, like an aged, you know, something that's not going to melt like a Asiago or Parmesan or something like that. Um, but then you also don't want something with like so much moisture content, like a fresh, fresh mozzarella. So your Monterey Jack is kind of intermediary there. Um, spread a couple handfuls right on top of the chorizo there and put that into an oven 275 300 degrees for 10 or 15 minutes until that cheese melts and it is uh creamy and melty you don't want to brown the cheese because you want it to you want it to stretch and kind of separate from itself when you dig into it with some tortilla chips if you brown it you're going to get too much of an adherent uh, an adhesive like uh, uh, surface to it and uh, it'll look pretty but you try to scoop a chip through there you're going to break the chips or you're going to get it you're going to catch a lot of purchase with that cheese and you're just going to pull it all off onto one chip so try to avoid browning it um, but get it in there it'll get all nice and melty and then what I like to do is very finely uh, dice up some uh, scallions like as thin as you can like nice little threads of green onion and uh, dice uh, some jalapenos fresh jalapenos remove the pith remove the seeds so that it's not like all spicy and, and surprising chop those up or dice them into very fine little cubes and garnish the top with those fresh vegetables it'll be really nice both uh, jalapenos and scallions are fairly watery uh, plant material. So add a little bit of hydration to your cheesy chorizo-y dip there. But that's fundido. It is fantastic. It's so simple. And plus you'll, you'll make a big batch of Mexican chorizo that you can use for you know a million other things. All right. So now let's go into my new favorite dessert, the, uh, the Spanish flan, 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 flan. Now, what flan is, is basically a sweet, very simple chilled egg custard. And if you, if you look at other recipes online, some of them will have you using sweetened condensed milk. Some may have you using, uh, non-fat dry milk, like milk powder. Those recipes are cheating a little bit to, to get the texture that you want, but you can legitimately make a really good flan with just sugar, eggs, whole milk, and a little bit of vanilla extract. Okay. And uh, if you have a, some patience, 
you do some some a little bit of preparation, a little bit of forethought, and you can get a really delightful product out of these four ingredients. And you don't have to open a can of carnation sweetened condensed milk or you know a big bag of dry milk powder okay because we we can we can get it to set up without using artificially thickened uh, base ingredients and we'll have plenty of sweetness in here with uh, the sugar so the first thing we want to do is decide on a cooking vessel so a lot of times they'll cook these in individual little ramekins which does make it easy to kind of uh, extract and serve them afterwards. Um, I actually just bought a, a large muffin pan. Uh, I'm sorry, muffin pan. And when I say large, the pan itself isn't large. The muffin indentations are large. So it, it has six muffin forms in this pan. I mean, this was this thing cost seven dollars and forty nine cents or something like that's a non stick muffin pan that has six mounds in it or whatever. So that's what we're going to use. The cooking process is that these will bake in the oven, but that your your forms, whether it's a ramekin or a muffin pan or whatever, needs to be partially submerged in hot water because we need this to be a very gentle, slow cooking process. Um, so I have like a, uh, a cake pan that is big enough to hold the entire muffin pan. Um, so we'll pour some, you know, hot water in there, make it sort of like a little double boiler sort of type of thing, a bain-marie perhaps. All right. So what we're going to do first is we're going to use a, a saucepan and we're going to use one cup of sugar in the saucepan on medium high heat. And we are going to caramelize that. The sugar will, it will liquefy and it'll be like an ambery brown sort of color. It'll be clear. Shouldn't be any lumps in it. And once we get to that point, we're going to kill the heat. It'll probably take about 10 minutes. I don't know, maybe a few more, maybe 15. I don't know. Uh, once you have fully caramelized, you know, liquid sugar in your pan there, use a tablespoon or a serving spoon or something like that. And drizzle that liquid sugar into each one of your molds in my case it's a muffin pan all right and uh, evenly distribute that amongst uh, the holes that you're going to be making your flans in and set that aside okay in a mixing bowl we are going to crack four large eggs we're going to add one half cup of sugar two cups of whole milk or, you know, if you want to be a little wild, you could do one cup of milk, one cup of cream, or you could do two cups of half and half, and it'll be the same thing. <laughs> but uh, two cups of whole milk and two teaspoons of vanilla extract and mix it up very good. Mix it up very well. Make sure that your eggs are, that there's not like albumin and yolk separated in your mixture like get a real nice uniform texture there make sure that all the sugar dissolves it's not a lot of sugar you know two cups of milk four eggs and a half a cup of sugar that sugar can definitely dissolve into the the liquid volume of your custard mix there without any problem so you get that all mixed up and then i used a ladle uh you could however you feel comfortable doing this knock yourself out but i ladled that egg mixture into each one of those muffin mounds in my muffin tin 
uh, right on top of the liquid sugar, which has gotten, which at this point will be very tacky and semi-solid or whatever. And then I rested the muffin pan in the cake pan and poured, I don't know, somewhere in the neighborhood of a quart of boiling water out of a tea kettle into that pan. I had the oven preheated to 300 degrees and I very carefully covered the whole shebang with aluminum foil and slid it into that 300 degree oven. Now, depending on how big your flans are, you know, mine are fairly large, you know, I, th I think it was like three inch muffin forms or something like that. Fairly large. Uh, the smaller your individual flans are, the shorter the cooking process will be. Like if you're doing, you know, if, if you were down like a normal muffin size, maybe you'll be at 40 minutes of total bake time. With my larger ones, I needed 50 minutes. Okay, so at 40 minutes, I checked on them. I opened the oven. I slid the pan out a little bit. I gently peeled up the uh, aluminum foil and saw that my flans were, they were setting up, they were, they were solidifying, but they were very jiggly. They were very jiggly to the point where I thought, mm, inside, probably still liquid egg, right? So I gave it 10 more minutes. And after that 10 minutes, I removed that entire thing from the oven, set it on the counter, very carefully, gingerly removed the muffin pan from the cake pan. It was very hot. But I removed it and set it on the counter there. Let it rest for, I don't know, five or ten minutes to kind of cool down a little bit, uh, stop being so excited, you know, settle a bit. And then using a uh, sharp knife, I just ran it around the outside of each one of the, each one of the flans so that it wasn't sticking to the walls of the muffin pan. And then I covered the top of it with parchment paper and laid a baking sheet on top of that and then inverted the whole thing, gave it a little tap with my knuckle, a little wrap across the bottom, and then lifted that whole muffin pan right off of the, the baking sheet and the parchment paper. All six flans came out flawlessly, okay? Now let's talk about that caramelized sugar that you have on top there. In the bottom of your muffin forms or whatever, or in your, your ramekin, you may have some solid, crystallized or caramelized sugar in there. That's fine. It's okay. Uh, you can run warm water in that for a while. Use a sponge, rub it out. It'll all come out. It'll dissolve. It'll disappear. It'll be fine. When you pour your custard mix into those, uh, into those, uh, vessels, some of the liquid from the milk, from the eggs, from the, from the uh, vanilla extract is going to mix with the uh, the liquid or semi-liquid sugar that you have in the bottom in there. And it's going to basically create the sauce that'll remain thin and will spill out over the top of the flan whenever you're done. So you don't have to worry about the, the hard sugar that's left in the bottom. Number one, it's not difficult to clean out. It will all uh, dissolve in warm water. Um, but also the thin sugary liquid that comes out with the flan is what you want. That's like, it's the color, it's the flavor, it's the right uh, texture and everything. It's fantastic. Okay. Simplest dessert in the world. Uh, very light, creamy, cool. I mean, once, once I got them out onto that, uh, that baking sheet with the parchment paper, I then put it in the fridge for a couple of hours so that they'd be cool and, and delicious. And they were.
and that's how you do it. All right. So we got uh, some Mexican chorizo that you can use to make a wonderful queso fundido. And then bang out a, a tray of flan for dessert and everybody will love you. All right. So thanks for listening this week and we'll talk to you next week.